0: Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 8:60 a.m. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. But we have got a very special guest. This is the biggest guest we've had, guys, hands down. Woo! <laughs> ben Balak, Beverly Hills super agent. <laughs> Realtor. Realtor, <laughs> so uh, close enough. Uh, wow. And star of Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix and a good friend of mine in all seriousness, part of the Tom Ferry ecosystem. Ben, how do you want people to get in touch with you? BenBalak.com, is that the place to go? Uh,
1: by design, you. It's really hard to not find me. So okay, if you good. can't <laughs> find me, then, like, you probably shouldn't reach out. Just Google him <laughs> But uh, what Yeah, he's b- yeah uh, 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 my last name is spelled B-E-L-A-C-K, um, despite everyone's poor pronunciation thereof. So if you just type in Ben Bellack anywhere, I'm right there. Most importantly, That's Philadelphia awesome. native, which uh, I don't think you tell people out in L.A. so they don't look down
0: on you, but here <laughs> we celebrate that stuff. So... Mm-hmm. We are happy to have you on, my friend, and uh, we are always streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we're going to talk about Ben in the last segment like we always do with our guests. We're going to lead off with some real estate news, and then we've got my favorite segment of the whole year, Turkeys of the Year, coming up in segment two, so we'll run through all of it. First, there was some news on Inman, and this is not surprising to me. I want to get everyone's take on this, and especially yours, Ben, being coming from a different market Uh, Inman and Redfin both reported that we saw a 32.1% decline in sales in the month of October. And on top of that, we also saw a 17% cancellation rate of pending sales. So my question is, is this news kind of one of those clickbaity headlines where they're giving it a, a unique sort of comparison? What was the month of October like? Tell us more what you guys are seeing out in the field.
2: Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised that there was a, you know, a decline in the number of sales. What did kind of grab my attention there was the percentage of um, deals that were pending that kind of fell apart. Um, I know for me, and it like specifically mentions, you know, like interest rates and everything in there. Um, I'd be curious for, you know, what time frame, um they were looking to to close in, and I know for me on the listing side, I'm very carefully looking at that section of what is an acceptable interest rate um, to make sure that we're we're covered there. Um, so yeah, I'm I that number was was surprising to me.
0: So to answer your question, this was based on the September data, so it was a 32 okay. percent decline from September. Um, which again, it it's not it's not a great comparison because we typically have a more of a seasonal flow to business here than we do in other areas like California, where I think it's, you have more of a kind of a, I mean, maybe we don't, I don't know, but I know up here in the Northeast, like once the fall hits, things kind of slow down a little bit.
1: I think with the fed incrementally raising rates in the way that they have, this is the data that we're going to see on cancellations because my guess is there's a meaningful portion of those cancellations. Sadly, that are people that were pre-approved at a certain number and then either they or their agent didn't stay in touch with the lender and then when it came time to underwrite with new interest rate, then they canceled. And I I think what's sad is that the compound effect of the conversations that we have with our clients as well as the headlines, that is the market. Mm -hmm. That is the market. So I think that what's sad is when a headline like this designed to be clickbaity, and I don't fault them for that. All every all the content we make in this room is somewhat designed to be yes. clickbaity, right? So we're, we're not ab- absolved of that. Um, I do think that once we see interest rates raises um, become a little bit more predictable and flat, we will see lower rates of cancellations because as we all know, people buy and sell because in the majority of, uh, based on life change, and those life changes don't, stop their course because of an interest rate change in the macro well said stace what's your take on this i mean you're rocking and
0: rolling you're doing what six seven deals a month now at this point um so what are you saying teach me (laughs) they probably equal one of your sales would be my
1: guess (laughs) we'd be on
0: quarter million dollar listing here ben not not million dollar (laughs) listing
3: as Ben said, most of my clients are motivated. There's a purpose for their buying and selling, so um, the interest rates aren't really affecting them as much. They're well prepared. Um, so, but I agree. I think that the the cancellation, the cancellation rate um, that happened over that time period, September to October, was most likely based because of those interest rates. They did go up pretty quickly, which put a lot of people out of the market. And they would have to if they were on that cusp anyway of being at their upper price point, and something like that would happen, it's going to just upset the apple cart, and they would have to terminate, unfortunately. And it's a shame for them because they would have to either, you know, reevaluate what they can afford, um, or wait. Uh, but we see that there was interest rate drop which mm-hmm. was very exciting. So what I'm seeing based on that is some folks coming back into the fold. So I had a good couple of weeks where people were coming back into the market um, because they felt that with the inventory that we're seeing that's increased and also days on market, there's more opportunity for them to actually get their offer accepted, maybe even under asking price, mm-hmm. maybe inspections. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's definitely been some positives.
1: Wait, I don't understand. I feel like this, the market where it is right now, this is good news, everyone. It's good Mm -hmm. news. Uh, It's 100% good news
0: because, you know, and and I think, you know, Stacey and Sarah both got into real estate right around like 2019, 2020. So Mm -hmm. we've been doing this a lot longer. I really prefer the like the 2018-19 market Mm -hmm. versus 2020, 2021, where it was, okay, you have to work all the time. You have no time for people to make decisions. You deal at a higher price point than we do. So I'm sure it's even as if not more stressful for some of these folks. I see this as a good thing because it's going to get rid of some of these realtors that shouldn't be selling real estate in the first place. Um, And then on top of that, We've seen rates kind of come back down a little bit, and it's shocking to me how many agents are not talking about this with their clients. I mean, that, that's been a, a very—I mean, we talked about this on the Jeff Mays call we had today mm-hmm. with our team, where some people were like, what do you mean rates went down? Or, oh, they went down a little bit, and these are other agents that are in the same ecosystem that Ben and I got to know each other in, and they're just like, ah, whatever, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a major— difference no matter what the price point is so i don't i i see this as very positive news overall
1: i just think for consumers like i was i started making money later in my life because i was pursuing a career as an actor and like i i got into into real estate like really late and um so i was like stacking cash stacking cash and then the market it, it was approaching 2019 and i was like okay i'm a buyer and then what happened happened for everyone but like now that interest rates have gone up and it's less voracious and not everything's in multiples and people aren't giving up their firstborn and in inspections mm-hmm. and waiving all these things, I think as real estate agents, we should want an environment where our clients are not writing blank checks uh, in inspections, meaning at time of offer. They should get to due diligence. Like, it's okay we want them to know what they're buying it's the biggest purchase of their life no one should have to deal with sticker shock and like i personally right now i'm a home buyer in los angeles i am a home buyer i am looking for a house granted i'm looking for a deal now because i think maybe those homes that were listed for 60 days and the agent Uh, That they currently have or their last agent before there was an expired (laughs) relaunch have been beating them up so much and maybe now they're getting to that point where they're like I just want this done before the end of the year Mm -hmm. so like I'm on the hunt and um, it's an exciting time for me because I want to lob in a low ball, and I'm just like Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) what else you've been on for 60 days Mm -hmm. you know. You can't just have, like, your agent now being like, oh, well, there's three people circling. I'm like, cool. Call me when um they're not. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. You right, know?
2: right. Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to see that's a lot funny. of that, too. And I think that, that agents walk a very
0: careful line there with, like, panic buying and, like, ethics. They're like, oh, we got other people interested. And it's like we've had this conversation internally at our team where um, I forget who said it, but they're like, I want to call this guy and say, hey, that's BS. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put in an escalation clause to protect ourselves or something else like that. So, when you have the experts looking to buy now, and Ben is absolutely an expert, um, I think that's when you want to pay attention. I mean, Warren Buffett said you want to buy when people don't. Yes. I think that's a very smart decision on your part. And L.A. is probably uber
1: compa- I mean And so expensive. Yeah. In the last few years, like Los Angeles, you know, for so long, L.A. was kind of like the redheaded stepchild to New York and San Francisco. And also, built in, we don't have vertical inventory. We're just not a city mm-hmm. like Miami that has all of these condos. So um once the advent of telecommuting really became in vogue where people could work from anywhere people were like oh wow you know i can buy a condo in new york for let's say 2500 a square or in london even worse and then i can go to la and get i'm not kidding like an emotional view for at that time 1,200 1,500 a square and you know, when I say emotional I mean emotional what's that so, so tell us more
0: we, we sell <laughs> we're from Philly yeah, area. Yeah, come I mean, on yeah. what's an you emotional know, you know, view I am
1: from here yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously there's different types of views right there can be a canyon view which is like really pretty and serene but at night it's nothing right similar to an ocean view by the way mm-hmm. it's, you don't, you just hear it mm-hmm. um, and then there's city lights views but then there's there's types of views where the view starts to envelop you you and the senses the moment you hit the front door um kind of the beauty of LA is that we have a mountain range running through it so and that mountain range um runs west to east so what happens is you have all of these homes on each side of the ridge facing pretty much north or south which is tremendous for light exposure and view either of the San Fernando Valley when you've heard in the past like oh she's a valley girl right <laughs> or if you want to or if you want to look down at the the city of los angeles and um yeah so um relatively speaking to other metropolitan cities that were already just so expensive um la just seemed like a relative bargain so in our last cycle it's just become so incredibly incredibly expensive Um, But despite the headlines that you're seeing out there, many of these pedigree neighborhoods were running like a month and a half worth of inventory. Now we're three months. So when I call expired Mm -hmm. listings and I say to people like, you know, they're like, we're not selling. We're taking off the market. I say, "Okay, cool. Well, like, is it still important to you to sell at the top of the market? Well, yeah, because they don't want to seem like they're not savvy. And I say, "Okay, cool. Well, like. What data are you seeing that suggests we're not still at the top of the market? And getting into that conversation has been actually really exciting lately because we get to kind of unwind and educate.
0: Well, we talked about this last week, and I know that one of the big topics was the skill set required to succeed next year or even right now versus the past two years. And I'm sure you've seen this. I think we, we had the conversation that in L.A., if you sell like three homes, you think you're you're a big deal, right? Here, it's I think it's like 10. Is kind of the number. if you just live
1: there, you think you're a big well, deal. Well, I'm—
0: <laughs> I, I mean, it's all it takes, but you get the point, right? And yeah. especially in this industry. So you're talking about having market-based conversations with people, sharing this sort of data. It, one of the stories I think people tell themselves when they get into a higher price point for us, it's a million dollars for you. Obviously it's its way higher, but that, that premium price point is that they don't want to hear it or they're well informed. So how often do you find yourself having to educate your clients with this kind of data and showing them what's going on and how receptive are they to it?
1: Um, Well, all the time. We're constantly educating. Um, This is a market which is for the knowledge broker. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, um, as I mentioned before, right? the the compound effect of conversations is our market, and there's a lot of um, negative propaganda out there. Right now, I don't think you should ever take yourself out of the market. Sure, 63% of homeowners right now have a 3% interest rate or Mm -hmm. better. That is going to have an effect. Some people just aren't going to move but there are people that still need to move and there's still plenty of money to be made on that sale. Um sadly for the real estate professional who in I would say from summer of 2020 to March of 2022 they were cashiers
0: order takers. Yeah, Don't they were order takers.
1: So na- now same, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, so so now um we have to um unwind some of those feelings i guess the difference is between my market and yours is that from a wealth perspective los angeles doesn't have industry we had aerospace which left in the 70s and what's left is pretty much entertainment Um, and aside from oprah geffen spielberg bezos entertainment people relatively speaking don't make a ton of money so but but they do have very strong feelings and (laughs) so when you have someone who has strong feelings that has made money um it that and that supports kind of those feelings it's self-serving we have to do even more work in a nuanced and empathic way to help them understand that maybe they are ill-informed actually and that a try again may be worth it well said
0: so I got one question here. and We're going to wrap up this segment about the cancellations. We kind of hit on with some of the Fed movement, the mortgage rates, the, the decline in October sales. I, I think everyone kind of saw that across the board. I mean, it was we saw 30 percent down nationally. I, I, October was the worst month we've had in three or four years. Mm. What do we see happening month to date, and how do you envision December playing out before we get into the new year? What do you think happens in the market, guys?
2: I mean, I think that that's the time frame for motivated buyers. If you're going and and sellers if you're if you're out there, you're putting yourself out there during these months where it's so easy to say, I'm just going to hold off until next year. um I think you're a, a motivated individual, and there's plenty of um opportunity there to to get quite a few more deals in before the end of the year.
3: I think that with uh, the inflation coming down a little bit. The elections are over. I think there was a lot of uncertainty up until that point. Um, So I I believe that a lot of people were holding off and just waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, is it going to be like total (laughs) calamity or is there some light at the end of the tunnel? So I think people are in a more comfortable place because there was so much. I mean, there's always negativity out there, but there was. I mean, Mm. more so.
0: Extra negativity. Extra,
3: Extra. And it was in your face constantly and you just can't get away from it. But I think now that that has subsided somewhat and the holidays are coming up, um, I think that people are feeling more optimistic, and that's what I'm seeing coming back in. I'm seeing people, you know, a renewed interest in getting into their homes. So I'm really, really optimistic about what's going to happen in December and into early next year. Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's going to be the tale of two markets. The sellers that price aspirationally are going to get punished Mm -hmm. The ones that price at fair market value or to create competition will be rewarded.
0: I agree. Yeah, I love
1: all these opinions and having seen. I I, I agree with you about the
0: elections here. Probably more so than than where you are in California. This was like the most hotly contested Mm midterm election I've ever seen. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, people were, Mm. the signs were up. It was not good. And I think you always get half, half, and half. Mm -hmm. I I don't. I don't really care who wins to a certain extent. I'm just glad it's over from a business perspective. Yes, and I'm not getting political here. So I agree with you there. Ben, I also agree with you absolutely that there's going to be sellers. They're always the last ones to know that the market's changing and they're like, "Well, th- this home last year, that house was a piece of junk up the street and my house is nice." I've been in their home, Ben, and and I mean and, and like that's how those those conversations go. The folks that are serious and are going to listen to their agents and the agents that can educate based on the market, they're going to be the ones that win. And I see a lot of agents getting out of the industry already. They're they're already making that move. So, I do see opportunity for folks that are serious as long as we can communicate exactly what's going on in the market which is always the challenge so love the predictions we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back turkeys of the year my favorite segment of the year we do this every year and i have to constantly remind sarah what turkey of the year is because no one else gets it it's your favorite thing and no one cares (laughs) you know what that sounds about right they don't care
1: enough to even remember it Uh, you know what
0: i like it that way and we'll just take the insult so so i'm glad you're on my friend this is tool time real estate radio on wwdb 860 a.m we will be right back
4: 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized, local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. Have you considered a
0: career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Gabe behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018. And we have Beverly Hills Super Realtor, Netflix star you know he got on Netflix just to come on our AM radio show is what I heard he's been waiting for this That was my why that was your why (laughs) yes Ben Balak is here from the agency out in Beverly Hills very grateful to have you on my friend Philadelphia native so We're going to talk about turkeys of the year So let me just define this for everybody so a turkey is someone that made like a bonehead move They did something stupid they did something that was just ridiculous, and it it, it did not pay off for them. Is that a, is that a good definition for everybody yeah. here? Yep. So, in the honor of Thanksgiving, I've got a like a long list. I keep track of this stuff throughout the year. Sarah, who's your turkey of the year? Let's start with you.
2: Um, I'm gonna go with Putin and the war in Ukraine. I mean, okay. I don't know if that's like. Too political. No, but, I, um, I don't
0: think anyone supports yeah, what's going I don't, on yeah, there. I don't think like, I don't, it's, not like a, it's not a party that. issue.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think that he would probably be my biggest turkey.
0: I mean, it, mm-hmm. he's, he he's really forced the issue over that. That's this thing's still going on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's one of these war. It kind of reminds me of the war in Iraq, where it just kept going on and people just kind of live with it. So mm-hmm. it's it's very unfortunate what's happening there. In in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Way to bring down the mood with your yeah, real turkey yep. for the year. I think I need a nap. <laughs> yeah, okay. You can just crawl under the desk, Ben, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yes. I, I, very legitimate. Um, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think we need any explanation on that one. Correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Cool. I would have to say my big turkey of the year is the CEO of FTX. If you uh-huh. haven't heard, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. I mean, come on. Have you seen this guy? Yeah, Like, who would—I'm intr- just—I'm sorry. Let yeah. me be judgmental for a second. <laughs> if you listen to him speak, okay, and you just look at him, he, you look, he looks like he plays video games all day. Who would invest, like, millions and millions of dollars besides Tom Brady, Giselle, Michael Jordan, like, all these mega stars and mega people dumped money into this guy's lap mm-hmm. with no accountability— there was. They were never provided any kind of statements or any kind of information on where their money was going. And the guy took full advantage. And he was out buying yachts and vacationing and living life in the Bahamas. So he's the biggest turkey. Um, and it's going to get pretty ugly for him.
1: I think guys like that should give every real estate professional hope. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone who's afraid to open... Everyone who's afraid to prospects, you don't have to be good to get the job or credible. You just have to be known. So Mm -hmm. just talk to enough people, and you too can get many millions from Tom Brady. (laughs) I want to know what he said. What
3: was his? What? What? He just
1: said it confidently. I don't even know that it matters necessarily because what he said, they just believed, right? So
3: I would love to have been the fly on the wall in the conversations that he had with these mega donors. Yeah, And up until the very last minute, he was still trying to get bailed out. He had um, talked to the CEO of Binance, and they almost Mm -hmm. had a deal. They almost had a deal. Until Binance did his due diligence, and he investigated further and realized it was just a sham. Mm -hmm. So he pulled out, and the big collapse. Unfortunately for this person, for this one person with a couple of um, his minions, he has created this cascade and this collapse of a lot of other um, cryptos. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are losing a lot of money. Um, it's really created a lot of uncertainty in that area. And I'm sure there's going to be more, reg- more regulation coming in that arena based on this. Um, so one person really caused a lot of damage. And there's going to be, there's already class action lawsuits not only against him, but against all these people who they were out promoting.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So um, it's, it should be interesting to see how this unfolds.
0: There's a picture of him going around on the internet where he shaved and he missed right underneath his nostril. <laughs> and it's, I, I mean, I don't know how you, like, you talk about you two can have hope. If someone showed up like that, I would just immediately have him leave my house. And I'm like, look, look in the mirror before you
1: shave. Like, I got, I yeah. don't, I don't get it. Well, I know, but dude, your vibe attracts your tribe. There's someone that doesn't see that. <laughs> no,
0: luckily, I'm not that person. See, uh, I'm, I'm, with you, you
3: I'm, I'm with you, You I'm didn't I'm with you. I'm sorry. Miss.
0: By the way, you foreshadowed my turkey. Oh, sorry. I, I think there's a lot of turkeys in this, yeah. this arena here. Um, yeah. You this is a lot like Madoff. Work. Yeah, oh, I, this I, is I mean, yeah, it, it's, bigger than
3: Madoff. I mean, it, it,
0: well, but it's the same thing. People same trusted him, thing. and yes. then you know, I mean, maybe it's it, it just the, the the it shows that your sales pitch can matter. I think to your point, if you really confident confidently believe in it, obviously his why is horrible. He's a criminal. You know that 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 stuff's all bad, but it's just like Madoff. Yeah. And there was a lot of smart people that got defrauded by Madoff too. So a lot
3: of smart people, yeah. At least they were given statements and they were fake statements, but yeah. <laughs> I mean these folks weren't provided any information and they still kept investing.
2: Yikes! Crazy,
3: unreal.
1: That's a very sad one, Ben. What do you got here? I would say anyone. Uh, this is a class of turkeys. I would, and I'm in it. Would be <laughs> anyone who bought crypto or NFTs. Anyone. I um, still don't understand NFTs. We actually had a
0: segment on here. Mm-hmm, Do you remember yeah. this segment? Yeah. We The three of us, it was, so you know the guy who did it. Uh, I'll tell you who it is later. Um, it's a mutual friend of ours. And I was so dumbfounded. I, I still didn't understand everything. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know what? Sounds great in theory, but I'm just going to go buy a rental property.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And the thing is, is like um, we had a unique set of circumstances where like cash wasn't is worth what it was, mm-hmm. or, or you know what it normally was. And um, the thing with crypto is that um, you know the beauty of of um, contracts with homes and other um, tangible assets; um, those contracts are uh, bound by the court system. So if someone hacks something, and it's obviously been done because we've seen cryptocurrency stolen. And my home is on the blockchain, and it's in—it's in, irreversible. That—that that was one of the main uh, selling points of cryptocurrency was that it's irreversible. H- how do I get it back? I mean, the sheriff's not going to go over. And um, wow, my Philly accent just came out. Go over there. We go. He's not Welcome going back. over. Um, but um, it just I. Th- I really do believe in I own crypto still um, just because I haven't gotten around to selling it. But I do think that um, it was just uh, a unique environment for charlatans to take people's money.
0: Well, and especially when, it, when some some of these cryptocurrencies don't have a utility, and I think that that's the problem. Yeah, uh, like, probably. there's some that are—look, you know and look, stocks go up and down, too. You could say the same thing about any stock owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Ethereum and Bitcoin, they, they have some sort of utility to them, mm-hmm. probably more so than—I was at the T360 conference, and Stefan Swampol's giving out Shibu Inu to everybody. And it's—I mean, it's worth— it would have like 10x, but it's still worth like one tenth of like one cent. And I'm like, why do you make? It? I think it costs more to make the
1: coin. Well, yeah, what, mm-hmm. exactly. So like, when you have something where like, let's say I sell to Stacy, right? Stacy is to count on that someone else is going to pay more mm-hmm. for it. Where, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have a utility. Like it's like a stamp or something. Or However, a piece of the artwork. stamp's tangible. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and but then that's tangible. So these, it just I I think that it ends up somewhere in some corner of the internet with some billion in the billions of uh cap but like it's not going to be a trillion dollar thing that everyone was hoping for. I think the cool story about it maybe like the anti turkey was the was all the people that made money on Wall Street bets when they did all the like GameStop stuff uh, yeah. that was like a banding together of people and i think that that couldn't have happened if we didn't have that anti-establishment movement. sure and a lot of people good working class people made a lot of money mm-hmm. yeah. i'm always glad to see those stories so mm-hmm. that, that that's really good i mean
0: crypto is i, I still don't get it I've, I've tried to learn about i just you know and if i don't know enough about something and i think a lot of people fall into the other category i don't invest in it there's a lot of people that have no idea about crypto i mean mm-hmm. it, that i know bought it and i'm not uh, and now, Some people do understand it and bought it and it didn't work out too, so that can happen also. So,
3: but the real estate market's going to crash, so they don't want to buy yeah. housing, <laughs> right? right. Like they'll buy crypto. <laughs> That's
0: ben. funny, not funny for Ben because he owns crypto. I yeah. own some still, yes.
3: <laughs> I do too. Full disclosure, yeah. but yeah, but I own a couple Stacey's of Stacy's been
0: holding out on this this whole time. <laughs> I, I don't, I not even I'm know a any of this.
3: Watcher, I well, I like to look at everything. What kind of so. crypto
1: do you guys own? Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Ethereum. Okay. And I also bought an NFT where basically that NFT gives me unlimited access to a club. of It's a community of golfers that also was spawned from an apparel brand. So when they have tournaments, if I want to play, I have to show my NFT to get access to be in that tournament. And I then... I, can, I also sometimes will get benefits like early access to apparel drops and stuff like that. I didn't buy it for the artwork, although it it does have – it is a piece of art. <laughs> it's just no one cares about it. <laughs> well, you're also
0: an avid golfer, though, so I, I now that you're unpacking this, I think that has a lot of value to you as someone that I want to golf in these tournaments. I want to have access. It's no different than joining a private club. Totally, but, like, I didn't need an NFT for it. Oh, Okay, all right. Well, that, that part I didn't know.
1: Yeah, I didn't need the NFT. I could have just – been a part of the club and given them a few hundred bucks. Okay.
0: <laughs> so
3: my crypto's in um, a startup. It's a um, sports betting platform that you utilize your crypto. Mm.
0: Interesting. To be- for betting. Oh, cool. You're not going to tell us the name? Is this like an off-air thing?
3: <laughs> DFS Mafia. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a startup. They just went live like a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So, but they've been working on this for a couple of years.
1: Sounds legal based on it's the legal, name of
3: it. It's Yeah, and he's got like all the patents on it so but it's the first and only of its kind
1: well sports yeah. betting is legal in Pennsylvania. i'm gonna invest sports... in something mafia better be in the title <laughs> <laughs> mafia and betting right. yeah
3: yeah mafia and betting is perfect
1: <laughs> the sports betting industry now it's I, huge
0: I, I, people i mean it's huge. my cousin makes like ten dollar bets all weekend and and i mean I, I i see people making a lot more than that but that's ins- that's exciting. I think that can make a lot more sense. And I like the golf thing for you because I know you like you were obsessed with golf. And you know, again, you probably could have joined the club, but I still I don't I don't think it's
1: that bad of a purchase now that you're telling us more about it. Yeah, I mean it has some utility, I guess. But the NFT portion itself, turkey. Okay. <laughs> All right. So
0: I have a couple turkeys here. Uh, let me know what you think of these. Number one is kind of in the same vein as you guys. Anyone that bought land in the metaverse, it is down 61% mm-hmm. since November. There's people that paid over a million bucks. I, Snoop well, Dogg has a house there. We, we, I, we've all heard about that. But more, most interestingly to me, Mark Cuban, who he he's an enthusiast for crypto. He said, basically, you're an idiot if you uh, if you bought in the metaverse. Um, combined sales on four major platforms for uh, uh, the metaverse uh, land was $501 million in 2021. And it's down sixty-one percent. So the peak average for a plot of land was thirty-seven thousand. It's down to fourteen thousand. Um, that's that's a be, That's a big loss.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't. That what what is do you something...
0: do with the land in the metaverse? You put right. on your Oculus goggles and just sit in your house? Is that how it works? You have, might know more than me. Have you ever seen the movie Ready
1: Player One? No. You should see that movie first of all. Uh,
0: I'm watching like Coco, Melon, and but see, uh, Steven
1: Spielberg. Best filmmaker I, I'm, of, a, of all time. It's the television domination of my three children is the problem. <laughs> um, You should watch that movie after they go to sleep, and basically that's what the metaverse would ultimately okay. become. So there is an alternate reality that feels very worthy of our time, emotions, energy, focus, enthusiasm. And so I think that's what people thought they were getting in on the ground floor. Also... Keep in mind, more people bought, like, Rolexes in 2021, 2022 than, like, ever. Yeah. So, like, people had cash to throw around. So all these get-rich-quick things, people had a little more discretionary money. So... There's a lot of cash in the system, and people
0: Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything. So that's that's a very, very well-founded point. So that's my turkey, one. Number two, this one's going to speak to all of us here. Anyone that said, marry the house, date the rate. Mm -hmm. What do you feel about... (laughs) I mean, I think that is the dumbest thing... Because people are just assuming you can refinance and get a lower rate and all that. And there's there's a way to say that where you don't sound like an idiot and are actually helping people. But most folks didn't even go that far. They were just doing a dancing TikTok video pointing at some
1: words to... The latest Katy Perry song. I heard an agent who sold five hundred million dollars worth of real estate last year say that at a chairman's dinner last <laughs> week at oh a gosh. at a company's forum that I won't mention, yeah. but you can figure it out. You can tell us off. Oh my gosh. You can figure it out if you go to my Instagram. I guess my question for you is what do you hate so much about it? The the um reduction down to the to that Scenario, or do you actually hate the advice at its core?
0: No, I I like the advice of that you're buying into the asset long term and the rate can vary and you can refinance. That saying makes it sound like it's a guarantee. Like Mm -hmm. when I hear date, you know what I think? Uh, You can dump it and pick up somebody. That's not how it works. You got to let the market play out a little bit. And then a lot of these people think rates are going to come back down
1: to three, 4%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also what if it takes two years yeah, and what if they can't afford the house or the appraisal comes in way less and you mm-hmm. have to actually put way more money down to get that refi.
0: It, it, it's irresponsible advice without giving all the details. That's my problem with mm-hmm. it. It's just like saying, Hey, don't worry about it. We can get out of the deal. You know, you talked about people wanting to inspect homes. I don't worry about it. We, we got to waive the inspection to get the home. I mm-hmm. think it's, educating folks about the risk in that. Mm-hmm. And then if they still make the decision, awesome. And if they don't, that's awesome too. Mm-hmm. It's just educating people a little little, little better than a 30-second reel on Instagram expecting folks to flood your inbox with DMs that they want to buy a <laughs> house.
1: So, Just backing up a bit, was that your dating philosophy? Just kind of like I, I, going I into lot, it, I can no. just dump it. Yeah, no,
0: I, I, not, not at all. You can ask my wife that. So uh, we've, been, we've been together a long time. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing the field like Mr. Beverly Hills super agent over here. So <laughs> Realtor, you can't <laughs> even, you got to get it. Super agent is, uh, I, okay. Fine. I'll Okay. i change it for you. No, it's, it's all good. So uh, the last turkey I got here is the president of FIFA. Mm-hmm. This Qatar mm-hmm. World Cup is a joke. And yeah. <laughs> Qatar pulled the biggest power move. They're like, hey, you know how we told you you could buy beer in the stadium? Well, two days before, you can't do it anymore. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Budweiser got... Totally screwed on that deal. Mm -hmm. He had this speech at the beginning of the World Cup. Did you guys see this? No. Mm -hmm. No. It basically said, insert whatever um, minority group is out there. And he said, I am those people. And uh, to me, I found it, like, extremely offensive because he doesn't know what it's like being any one of those groups. And he went on and on. And it's just such a corrupt organization. People are living in shipping containers outside these stadiums. Mm Mm -hmm. They had basically slaves that built—I mean, I don't even know how this is still legal, but people are watching.
3: I think he did have an explanation for that.
0: Well, I— He
3: he, he made it seem that they're doing them such um, a great thing by them, you know, allowing them to work here— to build this stadium, and they can go home and provide for their families. He made it like such a positive.
0: Well, not when they die, they can't provide for their families. Right. I mean, that yes. that that was ridiculous. And there was people. I saw this on Twitter. There was a couple um, reporters that came in with um, like a soccer with like a rainbow behind it, and mm. rainbows were banned from you wearing at the stadium, even though it was supposed to be like it's just, this is it's 2022. Mm-hmm. What is going on here? And I think that, that to me, is probably the biggest turkey of the year. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody cares because they want to watch
1: the World Cup. This Mm -hmm. show changed in the second segment. Like, it just changed Mm -hmm. to a complete—it's a different genre. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different vibe. Well, good thing we're taking a break. So on that note,
0: those are the turkeys of the year. I'm sticking by the metaverse one. That was my number one turkey. I like it. All right, this is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We're coming back. We're talking about Netflix star Ben Balak from the agency, Beverly Hills, Super Realtor and Philadelphia native. Thanks for coming on, man. We will be right back in a couple minutes on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom, e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Gabe behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we've got the one and only Netflix star of buying Beverly Hills, but most importantly, extremely competent, expired expert in the super competitive market of Beverly Hills, the Beverly Hills Super Real Tour himself. Apparently, it's Real Tour, not Real a Tour. Like we've been saying for <laughs> 21 years now on my part. Ben Balak is here. You can just Google his name; he'll come up. Uh, so, Ben, I, I'm I'm glad you came on. Number one, thank you for doing this. Ben is from the area, from Philadelphia. Grew up on the Main Line. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone how you ended up work, living, growing up on the Main Line to selling real estate in Beverly Hills?
1: Well, my dad grew up in Havertown, and my mom grew up in Radnor. Um, so that's how we ended up nearby. <laughs> that's how it works around here. Yeah. Um, I went to, <laughs> I matured late in life. I'm a late bloomer to everything, to be honest. Um, and, uh, I went, I didn't do well in school early, so I ended up at Penn State Altoona for one year, which, um, no one should go there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to Altoona. Just There's many just parts of Pennsylvania driving. to not go just to. keep it. driving. <laughs> um... And um, my mom told me that she and my stepfather were moving out to California, and I was coming, and I, I, you know, in those days, Philadelphia was the center of the universe for me. I was like, I'm not going to no la-la land, you know? Anyway, she took me out there to go see some schools, and I was like, I can study here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this will quick, do. Quick, quick, quick <laughs> sell.
1: Yeah, and USC, UCLA, they don't take you as a sophomore transfer, so I ended up at San Diego State. I was there for three years, and literally I graduated on a Saturday. I moved the next Monday because as a Philly guy, it just like San Diego wasn't really my vibe and I wanted to get into being an adult. I started while well, I was in college, I was pursuing a career in acting. I got into the unions and um I then spent the next probably twelve years giving everything in my body to pursuing a career in entertainment. Um I got to a point where I was in my early-ish 30s and I had a great agent. I had been on TV multiple times. I actually even started a feature film. Um, and um I just was like, I'm hating this energy. And there were casting offices that had put me on shows that like wouldn't bring me in for role of realtor when there was some and I was that for me at that point, it was the um that was kind of like the final thing. Um I was working in hospitality, I was at Wolfgang Puck's flagship, I was blind tasting wine five days a week for five oh, years. Wow. I was a sommelier and um <clears throat> I just felt that Wolfgang Puck um considering I was personally accounting for 25% of the annual wine sales alone <laughs> was like, you know, benefiting from my sales more than than I was. So someone said you should try real estate. I knew nothing about it. I I've learned everything um about homes um that I know about them from inspectors. Um on day 1, I um I felt like everyone was speaking Japanese at an office meeting. <laughs> and um <clears throat> excuse me, now 11, 12 years later, I find myself at the agency in Beverly Hills where I've been in the last seven years. So, yeah, that's that's it.
0: So there's a there's a couple other, you know, I mean, Ryan Serhant comes to mind. Actor turned realtor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really going to work on saying this properly. So, Good luck. I, I, I don't think it's going to go well. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what... what I, I get the sales part because I think there's a lot of people, and I, I think Stacy and Sarah, your stories are probably pretty similar. You were selling something else and felt like this was a better venue to, to build a career. So, what advice do you have for someone that's kind of feeling that way or not happy with where they're going and real estate kind of piques their interest? Because mm-hmm. You're one of the ultimate success stories when it comes to this, and there's also the 87% that don't make it out of the business in the first five years.
1: Totally, yeah. I mean, I did build my business from scratch. Um, My why at the time was getting out of the restaurant and getting out of that life that I just, like, was not – it wasn't serving me anymore. So because I had a strong why with an emotion attached to it, I could really go hard in the paint. And um, I got in in 2011, and and in L.A. at that time, as a new agent who – you work with buyers. Mm -hmm. No one was buying. No one could get loans. Everyone's paying cash. Um, And um, I turned to my mentor at the time and I said, I think it's knock or die for me. And he was like, I don't know what you mean. I was like, I think I have to go door to door because it's gonna be the only way I'm gonna talk to people. So there are parts of the Hollywood Hills where like literally I decided, I was like, no one's home during the day. I'm going at six o'clock because people are gonna be making dinner. And I was like braving my life, like no sidewalks, no lights really. Because I just, I, I really, I, I, there was no way it wasn't going to work. And in fact, luckily for me, the restaurant closed for three months to be renovated. And they laid us all off. And I went on unemployment. And um, I basically, like, was charging. I did not go out, no socializing. I charged all meals. then I took the unemployment money and paid the minimum every month. I didn't get in trouble or anything, but I just did nothing except work. And then... Um, My very first escrow took five months to close, which never happens, and it hasn't (laughs) happened since. (laughs) That's brutal. Yeah, it was like uh, trial by fire. But, um, yeah, I mean, because I was from Philly and my sphere of influence were poor actors and restaurant (laughs) people, none of them were going to ever buy or sell. And, in fact, none of them ever, still none of them ever did. So I had to go out and prospect like a lunatic And um, I held hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of open houses. And um, so for the person that's looking to get into real estate that thinks it's going to be a part-time gig, wrong gig. I went from something where 99% of people fail um, to 80%. You have to ask yourself, what are you going to do when that one lead calls you and says, everyone from Sony is moving to LA and I need you to send me houses and you're out to dinner with your family at 8 Mm o'clock on a Friday night. So... um, This is not a job for those that are going to stand in the corner. You got to get in the ring, and um, it's a it is a long runway. It was for me. My first deal it took me like I think about like nine months to get my first check. So, well, that was a tough
0: time. I mean, I mean, I went through that market too, and it's you know that when we had that that uh, that great recession, whatever they call it, from that that 2008 to like about 2012, 2013, Mm -hmm. kick it, It was really challenging. So. What I love about what you just said, I can't tell you and we've talked about this on the show here. How many successful agents you know, they see you, you've got this Netflix show which I want to talk about in a second here. All this stuff. Yeah, hurry that, up. Well, we we have an hour. So okay, we, okay just making sure. Um, that's that's, that's next, thing. but that's why we had you on. Got, <laughs> so <laughs> uh the, the whole point of this is that this is how all the successful people st- Have you heard anything different from a successful agent you too? I mean, we've talked yeah, to a lot of people here. It's always Get on the phones, knock doors. Sarah's been kicking butt with do- door knocking. She took three listings over the past six months from it. No one wants nice. to do it, right? <laughs> I mean, you go out every week. Like, yep. it's it's
1: it's a plan. You're on the phone constantly. I, it, oh, my God. Let me just tell you really quick. So my first listing was from an attorney that I knew from waiting on at Spago. And he was like, I have a deal for you. And he emailed me. He'd always go back and forth. He was uh, an attorney in several states. And he's like, I have these clients who live in Florida. They have this place, and um, they think it's... You know, they, they want to sell it, and it's it's basically yours because they told me to find the real estate agent. I was like, boom. And um, there. so I went to go see it. It was in Koreatown. Basically, it was like the front was a two-bedroom, one-bath house, and then in the back there was this, like, very weird and eerie building that had three one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartments in it. And they thought it was worth a million dollars. It was worth 500000 We somehow got them there. They were saying they were going to move into it. They had no idea that there were boards on the windows, whatever, but— During the time frame I had this listing, I had to buy bolt cutters because squatters locked me out of my own listing. There was a a gate, a drive-on gate. They locked me out four times. One time I went inside. I I had the owner pay to put metal gates on this place, not in a good part of town. And they just kept re-breaking in. And then... Even though the doors weren't broken into, I would go in and there'd be a half drank beer inside like they were tormenting me. One time <laughs> I, th- I went in, there was a note on the, p- a, a handwritten note, which I appreciate the personal nature of the nice. nice. yeah. so Brian Buffini? Yeah, and on, on the note, it said, I'm written in pencil. I'm coming back here, but no one will read this because no one comes here. And guess what the paperweight was? What? Half eaten cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so people may see the show. They may see listings I have in Bel Air, or Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills. If you go to my page, you see like hundreds, 400 transactions or something I've touched. Mm-hmm. But like, yo, it's been grimy and ratchet. And like I started at the bottom and I still cold call. I'm still now planning out a door knocking for next year. I'm going to hit the streets.
0: Well, and I, that's what people need to do to succeed. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people at your company even that are doing mm-hmm. the same thing. So I love that. And I think it's great for all the agents to hear this because they think, oh, he works in L.A. He works in Beverly Hills. He doesn't have to do that stuff. Ugh. I'd argue you got to do it more Way to make more. a dent there because the market's more competitive. There's so many people trying. We, we've, we've talked about this off air. So I, I love that. Um, we got a couple minutes left here. I want to talk about buying Beverly Hills. So tell us about the show. What's it like? It's on Netflix. Why should we watch it? I, I know you, you've become like this like cult star with the show from the reviews I've been reading that my wife sends me because I don't pay attention. You don't watch it. You I have not watched You want me to pitch it. you to yes. watch my pitch show me. on your show.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, I would say that the elevator pitch is that most reality shows that are ensemble casts like ours is they all get tanked. They tear each other down. They sober up. They apologize. <laughs> and then they repeat. Our show is not like that. Um, Yes, there is kind of this nepotistic thing that they dove into because Mauricio has three daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, he actually technically is, I guess, four daughters if you include Farah. So there's a part of that. But you basically have, like, these four rookies who are trying to make it, and they basically struggle on the show. One of them does a little bit of business through his family. They give him a listing, Right. And then you've got Mauricio and I and John Grauman kind of as the mentors. And um, you know, there's a point. Most of these real estate shows you'll see like the commission on the bottom left, this big gross commission. And in, in and I break it down like where all the money goes. And a Smart. lot of people message me. They're like they were like, uh, thank you for doing that because it also it also um, helps consumers to chop us down on our livelihood because mm-hmm. they think the gross commission is our take home. Right. Um, and um, I just think that we were just so much more grounded and we helped each other. Of course, there's a little bit of drama, but it's it's not like selling Sunset. And, th- and the last thing I'll say is just from a, a differentiator is that on the show, we you can see that deals just – Don't like we don't get the listing Tuesday morning and it sells Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) We're talking about losing listings that we spend tens of thousands of dollars on marketing, and then sometimes you got to hand it over to the next person who's going to get the reduction. And time, yeah, and and, I mean the overhead, yeah, everything, everything. That's great. So I think that's why it's been really well received. Twitter is a very mean place, and at least for me, they've been very kind so far. So I'm so grateful for that. So I'm gonna tune in now. You
0: sold me, and I'm I'm not an easy. I'm I'm being very serious with you here. Luckily, Thanksgiving's coming up. I have some free time to 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 dive into Netflix. So that's really cool. How did you become the super realtor in Beverly Hills? Tell us about. This is one of my favorite stories. We got like two minutes left here. Okay. Ben is known as the Beverly Hills super realtor. Tell us about this. I
1: just I went to a mastermind, came out of the mastermind and said I need to make content. Who cares? Like if your sales price, a list price is 102 percent. Like literally, the consumers don't care. Yes. So I, even though I believe I'm very good and tactical and nuanced in my business practice, I needed to concentrate on being known. So we started filming tours of my listings and I came out and literally, it just sarcastically came out of my mouth because I thought I needed an intro and a name of the channel kind of. So I literally just was like, Hey guys, Ben Bellack here, Beverly Hills super realtor. And the thing is, is, it's so stupid, but it gets everyone's reaction including my camera guy and it's stuck and literally everyone remembers it. So I've kind of kept saying it.
0: You've been you've been called the super realtor
1: in public by other people you didn't know, correct? So I went to the end of a baby shower the other day, and some old woman just ran across the room, and she's all, super, super. <laughs> and I think she couldn't remember
0: the realtor part. <laughs> That's okay. That is branding. Ben, thank you for coming on. Just Google Ben Balak, Check out his show, Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix. Yeah, we need a season two. Well, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'll get, I'll get the CEO of Netflix, Netflix on the phone. We'll use some end. Phil Jones and NLP on him. <laughs> yes. We'll get him ready to go. So, you, you want to follow Ben, just look him up on Instagram. You can follow Sarah. She's at ty underscore ty time. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchco, or you can follow me at tomtool3rd at tomtool3rd. We're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Make sure to subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. And we'll be back next week on Tool Time, real estate radio on WWDB 860 a.m.